probably why he's garnered so much popularity. Um, but, but it still speaks to the, the problems that lie at the core of socialism in my mind. Yeah, for all our millions of listeners out there, this is um, yeah. uh, <laughs> we're talking about Lex Friedman's podcast um, with Bhaskar Sang- Sankara, Sankara, uh, creator of Jacobin Magazine, episode three forty nine for Lex Friedman. But yeah, what do you mean he? Um, what do you mean he had an inclination to solve socialist problems in a libertarian way? I was so, picking up on that. It- yeah, so um, when he starts to get into like his ideas are like his goals um, at the court, he he talked about wanting to um, provide freedom of choice at times, yeah. um, which was very anti what he was uh, bringing about. He also at, at one point um, stated that like the the problems that existed in Maoist uh, China and uh, in Stalin's Russia. Uh, he excused them away with with the only reason that they didn't work is because they weren't first rooted in capitalism. Democracy. Yeah, like that capitalist, a capitalistic democracy has to be the predecessor predecessor of a socialist government for it to work. And and I feel like that's that's like an impossible thing to retort because nobody's tried that. And so and so that's like where he he gets his, you know, value is because how are you going to argue with somebody when you don't have any historical preference to to argue against? Like there, there's nobody that's ever tried a capitalistic change into a socialistic reform um, and, and seeing how that experiment works. Um, and he, so he uses that as anytime that there is a problem with socialism, that's how he uses his argument uh, to, he goes, okay. He always goes back to, well, the reason that it didn't happen was because they didn't first have this capitalistic, um, democratic society, um, in place in order to build, then build a socialistic nation, um, which he, instead, I wish he would have gone more with like he it seems like the the values that he had in libertarianism was he wants people to to have um the freedom to be able to do the things that they want to do at heart like that's what it seems like he wants and he feels from what i whatever from what i um ascertained from it was that he feels that people can't do that because of the disadvantages that they were given at the at the at the beginnings of their lives uh, and then that is at the core, the reason why they don't succeed. Uh, and and it, it seems to dissolve to me um, the level of competence that it takes in order to become successful. Um, and yes, I'm sure there are a lot of people out there that were are successful simply because they were handed a bunch of money. But I would say a majority of those people end up losing all of their money and failing miserably. Um, and so, um, but there are a lot of arguments against capitalism too. So, I mean, I think he utilizes those extremely well, um, but it's a fallback. It's like, okay, my argument's not working. Um, so I'm just going to fall back to something, to an argument that hasn't been even discussed yet. Um, so that you can't retort against my argument. Uh, and, and, 
to me that that shows that there's not a consistency within his own argument. That's um, yeah. There's a million things to comment on there. I, I mean, overarchingly, I agree, but yeah, the, the non-falsifiable hypothetical, the um, scenario that hasn't ever really been tried. Uh, way to is, it. That's the big fundamental divide between socialism and libertarianism in terms of like, uh, your conviction that it'll work is that neither of them have truly been tried or they've been tried in like either non-modern or non-relevant ways in other criteria. So it, he does an amazing job of uh, easily dismissing all of the hugely bad things and saying, yeah. oh, it's, it's, it just went a little wrong here. Oopsie, whoopsie. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and, and you need a, a democ first a democracy and then capitalism built on top of that and then socialism's an evolution and then socialism of capitalism. It's like that. it's like all right, fine, I'll grant that to you. That yeah, it would it's socialism's more likely to succeed if you first start with democracy and have a capitalistic economy and then try to move towards socialism, as opposed to starting with authoritarianism <laughs> or totalitarianism. Fine. That's not some <laughs> incredibly That's insightful. Just deriving, deriving an is from an I. Like he, he <laughs> and he even said it at one point in, in the interview that that he thinks this will happen uh, because uh, he thinks this ought to happen. He thinks this should happen because this, this will ought happen, to happen because yeah, yeah. Yeah. he oh, there's all, all kinds of his whole argument is is kind of based off of that is like he, he assumes that what should happen, which everything I, I think everybody agrees that everybody deserves to live a good life um and, and so that's the beauty of his argument um i it, wish lex would have dove into that more yeah i, I agree what, what that means what does deserves mean what is a right what is mm -hmm. positive versus negative rights yeah and what are we willing to give up or enforce with violence to make sure that those rights happen for people and that's what I he kept dancing around, which was super frustrating for me, was that in every one of those situations that that communism or socialism has been tried, it it causes people what the goal of it is to allow people to be able to do what they want to do and, and to live the life that they want to live. But instead, what ends up happening every time that we've seen it be tried through history is quite the opposite people end up having to do things that they didn't want to do and live lives that they didn't want to live simply to sustain this forced ideal um that that's being forced on them by their own government and, and so it, it's it's like anti what you're trying to accomplish so so that's but I think he would like the idea of libertarianism because it accomplishes those same goals minus the force. So you take like like you were saying yesterday was it, it's like without your it's a socialism without a gun pointed at your head. You know, it, it's the the goal it accomplishes the goals that are that are shared by capitalist, socialist and libertarianism, which is we want the world to be a better place for the humans that live in it, um, or at least the good ones. And, and instead, it, it answers that question in a very 
unpragmatic way. Like instead he, he just dances around the problems and then creates a solution out of the, the opportunities for solutions. So he, and then he utilizes this rhetoric that's, um, which I really dislike, which is the appeal to the masses of uh, disaffected people, yeah. um, which just means that you don't have a logical retort. So you, yeah. you can it's take a, a lazy log- way to get fans is yeah. to go out, go out and appeal to the people that are angry. Yeah. But, and, and uh, create a scapegoat and uh, get everybody to light torches behind. And it. you could tell when he got stuck on a question, he would, he would do that. So often he would say, well, here, here's all these, what about these dis- disaffected people that don't have the opportunities to do this, can't have the opportunities to do this. And he says, the only solution he tells you, the only solution is for us to physically make sure that that happens as a government. Yeah. And, and I just personally disagree. I think if people were free, they would make those decisions. We, and they say that that's, you know, that, that necessarily hasn't, that's, it has happened. And you look at, even if you want to go back to the way that, um, and it seems so ancient, but the way that Indians lived in America was very um, free and they allowed themselves to, they build their own communities. They allowed to live, live how their tribe wanted to live inside of their tribe. And they, there were not wars in between them that we know of. And the ones that were might've been, you know, just territorial um, issues, but um, we're far more advanced from that now could that still happen in uh in a free culture sure but i think it's much more likely to happen when you have these large masses uh, of uh, of congregates that are against each other which is what we see now in the world um which is why people feel so threatened by you know will this war in between ukraine and russia turn into a nuclear war that ends up causing the end of the world or ends up causing the end of a major um, country it it follows that that same line whereas if we were decentralized the threat of that is is severely lower yes some people might fight and some people that's going to happen no matter what but at least it's not going to happen at this massive crazy scale uh which neither capitalism or socialism seems to take into account. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I totally agree. I, and I think that was, there, another missed opportunity by Lex was to, uh, he chose not to dive into or challenge why people are suffering in the first place. Mm-hmm. Can, we, can we talk about like first principles? Like he um, states as if fact, just, but just these huge sweeping assertions that uh, the government needs to come in. We need to use force via the government to uh, preserve these rights for people because they're suffering and they're suffering because of capitalistic greed. Yeah. Like, okay. Well, th- that's an argument, but it, you're stating it. You're like, that's the way the world is. That's the way it is. People suffer is because they were, um, because, uh, yeah, some fat cat fucked them. <laughs> and uh, it's, and the only way out of this, is to have the government help yeah uh, and in the, the other side the libertarian side a lot of times would argue no the people are suffering because they're not free because they're being yeah. held down by government restrictions and if left to their own devices they would be better off i think of it as a parallel with worry in uh, a natural uh, in, a, in a person's mind so like when you're when you're worrying about something 
um, you're, you're wasting your mental acuity. You're wasting your mental ener energy thinking about how do I fix the problems around me? And so it blinds you from being able to actually fix the problems around you. Um, you see that with highly anxious people. They, they, they're less likely to conquer um, what they're attempting to conquer. But in my mind, it's because they're wasting a lot of their mental acuity, spending times, spending time looking at this, trying to find these, all these solutions when really the solution is, is to release that. Um, and it's the same thing with society. You, you don't have to force people to do these things that you want them to do. Most of the, most everybody is trying to do those anyways. And the more you try to force them into it, the less they feel like it's their own idea. And so yeah. then they become rebellious. And I mean, so you see that with children all the time. We talked about a, a lack of agency for a long time yesterday. It's like, what are these things that are creating all these mentally ill people? Anything from mild anxiety to school shooters. And it's a, it's a lack of purpose and a lack of agency. They feel like nothing matters. They feel like they don't have control over their own life. And so where is that coming from? Um, I, the socialists would argue it's Jeff Bezos and working in a yeah. warehouse and like the um, power at the top and no power at the bottom and all the liber libertarians will argue uh, it's the government and force and crony capitalism, which is like a buzzword, but what it really means is, is rent seeking corporations. It's, it's these huge businesses gaining power that other corporate, that other companies don't have by leveraging their size and power to gain political favors. And mm -hmm. so, and, and I think that's a, it's maybe a philosophical divide that we have at least currently is um, I'm more of a purist capitalist because I think the evils of capitalism can be traced back to unfair advantages given to larger corporations, monopolies, a socialistic, a socialistic of idea. them using the government as a tool. And if yeah. we were, we severed that power between government and corporations uh they would have to compete in the free market and we wouldn't have nearly the issues that we do now we wouldn't have the black rocks and the amazons and the um you know i totally agree with that companies i i actually don't disagree i i think i think that that's very correct because the and, and especially the more that i've been pondering on it um my the way that i the way that i had perceived it uh, previously was more of okay capitalism is caused these problems socialism has caused these problems and that there's no good from either one of them and so it's like default like let's try libertarianism but the more i dive into it i, I do think that there are good ideals that, that come from both um but they don't have to be forced by a government. And every time that we institutionalize, whether it's on the capitalist side or on, on the socialistic side, every time we seem to enforce one of those institutional corrective measures, it ends up causing the opposite effect where it's wasted energy. Like, like, I, like what I was saying yesterday, it's we're utilizing, we only have so many people, so much resources, and we're utilizing our resources to tell people what they need to do when they already know what they need to do. Uh, and, and so it's just wasted energy as a society. And the more of those institutions that you put in, the more energy you're wasting, which is why when we were the most free that we've ever been, we were able to, in America, we were Americans were able to go far and beyond innovational standards of how fast you can 
can multiply your innovation. Um, and then at, we've slowed down comparatively to everybody else as we've added in each in institutional measure that's that we feel is needed to correct society, the natural societal happenings that, that occur, whether you like it or not. And he also assumes that everything is going to go away. All of this negative things that are going to go away if, if we just tell people this is what you have to do. Like, like, it, like rebellion doesn't exist. Yeah, like, he's, he's like, assuming 100% compliance. And yeah. doesn't mention the plan if you decide yeah. not to follow the plan. Yeah. Want to talk about yeah. that? Maybe, maybe that's where some authoritarianism or totalitarianism could pop up. Yeah. Well, what? Yeah. So where do you exactly? So if you don't follow the plan, and I would love your thoughts on on this. So if you don't follow the plan, is that not what happened in Russia? Like when when they their entire system down is that there were so many people that were not following the plan that they had to institutionalize. What was it? One in every three people was a, a government government informant and, and would allow the government to understand that there, that there are people and they would be telling on their own families and stuff of people yeah. that are going against what the government told them to do. Why would that not? Why do you think why do you think he thinks that that would not happen if we institutionalize it in America? That's where a, a big struggle I was having. One of the one of the single biggest lines that made me want to throw my phone against the wall was he was like humans humans behave rationally so we want to design a system that encourages people to behave rationally or something yeah was yeah, something so to that effect i'm like that's my whole foundational disagreement with socialism is that and it's inherently anti-human rationality it's it goes against every praxeological lesson that we've ever learned we can and happy to dive into any single specific that you want to. I think that's the best way to make an argument for socialism versus libertarianism and um, why, and I feel like, I don't want to say conflating, but uh, the, it, libertarianism isn't inherently pro or anti-capitalism. It's It has a right. neutral approach to it. Uh, capitalism, I heard Robert Breedlove is my favorite Bitcoin voice and he's the, my favorite money voice out in the world too. Um, he'd be my secretary of the treasury if I was a president, but he said the uh, capitalism is just what happens when you leave people alone. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you see it in every, I mean, Jordan Peterson talks about this uh, as well. It, you see it in, you see hierarchical structures that exist in almost every mammalian uh, animal that there is, uh, animal, uh, animal structure that there is that, they naturally organize themselves in a competence hierarchy. And so whether or not what he's saying is that we're going to try to force that not to happen. Uh, uh, this is we're going to try to force society not to have a hierarchical system or at least lessen the hierarchical system. And he never answered the question of what is the incentive for people to want to innovate? Well, what is the incentive for people to want to get ahead? What What is the incentive for humans to get ahead? Because almost every one of the innovations that we can look back on, it was because someone decided that either they wanted to do something better for other humans, they wanted to do something better for their business, they wanted to do something better. They had a motivation to do more. And that motivation seems logically less whenever you take away the motivation motivational factor and he argued that you know people are still motivated to get ahead 
even though people are paying more rich people pay more taxes now but what the what he was presenting was pretty much like he's going to take away all incentives uh, especially at the higher the higher level you go and, and that people would still want to get ahead more than they do now whereas I hear people in the you know middle class that talk about not wanting to go up one tax bracket, you know, because it's going to cause them issues. And, and so I think he he said that that doesn't exist. When I've heard people with my own ears talk about how in their real life that that does exist, that they feel like oh if I'm not making uh, if I'm going to make twenty more thousand dollars, I'm going to pay an extra six percent. So why should I take this raise? Why should I? And and it would be on a on a grossly higher level if you start thinking about what if the people that are running these large institutions in our country, and, and I don't think that they should be necessarily as ahead as they are, but I don't think that they're ahead because of simply that. I think that they're ahead because we have institutionalized socialistic measures uh, that maybe are not what he wanted as socialistic measures, which is equalizing people, but they're still socialistic measures as in they are creating um governmental power over people um and you could say maybe they're capitalistic measures because they allow for the the higher to grow even higher than they are but i don't think that that takes away from the fact that it's an institutionally um propagated idea that is forced upon the people um and, and then utilized by those who know the be- know the most of how to take advantage of it and, and so the more rules that you institutionalize like that wouldn't those people have more ways to take advantage like he's taking away the fact that there are cynical people but then also stating that people are not good enough to make their own decisions so yeah. so he's like arguing with himself on that like uh if there are cynical people, then they are going to take advantage of your socialistic measures to the nth degree. And you saw that in Russia uh, often um, as it broke down. Like there was, there was half the country that had literally zero and were dying of famine. They were eating each other and not like they were literally dying because they didn't have any food. Um, and the whole goal of that idea was to make sure everybody has food. And and so like, it it just seems this, it's system in itself, the philosophy in itself seems to argue with itself. Right. It's, he talks about, you know, humans behaving rationally, unleashing human potential through socialism. He only talks about how socialism unleashes human potential. Like all we need to do to do that, unleash human potential is cap the downside. All we need to do is create this safety net for people so that they have food and shelter and whatever other positive rights they decide to add on later. Yeah. Healthcare. Uh, and then we don't even go. It's a whole rabbit hole of what counts as food. What counts? Uh, the the term living wage drives me insane. Like, because as soon as you dive into it, you realize the subjectivity of value and mm-hmm. every single thing becomes so subjective like is this a right is this deserved and then there's this huge quality spectrum like all right everybody deserves bread but we decide bread is uh the the food staple that everybody deserves nobody should go without bread what about all the gluten people what about all the 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 people that have allergies and then what is good enough bread is highly processed 
uh, Wonder Bread good enough, or is that a crime against my human rights that you're going to feed me poison? Um, so how nice does the bread get before it's finally satisfactory enough? And then everybody's going to disagree on that. You give them really nice bread and all the people are going to point, I like Wonder Bread. It, it tastes way better than the shit whole grain that you're giving me. So you have to keep this, moving sub- that bottom up. You have to keep moving that bottom level up. And, and and then it get eventually will get to a point where it can't be afforded. Uh, and, like the, and, like the minimum wage. It's it just designed to creep up over time. Yeah. Because when you when you have a when you have a central bank and a federal reserve that keeps printing money, the minimum wage is is designed to be worth less and less every year. And then there are policy calls for different increases in the minimum wage. It's hypothetical that all these workers go to management in a union and say, we want $2. It was the CVS one, I think, maybe. Uh, We we want $2 an hour more, and we want to be home by 8.30. And uh, uh, he's like, all the workers are incentivized to ask for a raise and stuff that keeps the business in business. Because if they ask for too much, then they'll go out of business. Like, this is insane. Uh, But do they care? (laughs) You think that those people that are in that position, like, he thinks that they think at the same level as the corporate leader because the corporate leader does care if the business goes out of business the cashier has the same knowledge about business runway cash flows accounting balance sheet income statement all that as the guy going beep 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 and all he, honesty, so he know so, yeah so the unions are so smart they know exactly what to ask for for everybody <laughs> across the board and they're like this will keep the business in business and it will keep us here this is a good move for the business and the ceo yeah. is like are you insane yeah and i mean like in, in all honesty what, what's really gonna happen is they're just gonna go in and ask for as much money as possible we've seen yeah. this with unions over and over again they have no the, the the collective bargaining you know that goes on he's trying to take away the power from one side of it so there's no collective bargaining bargaining at all there's just one side the side that doesn't even know what's going on at the top making the decisions for the people at the top and then those people are going to somehow one either stay in business somehow i don't see how that's possible because the the wages are just going to keep moving up that the the time that they want to work is going to keep moving down people their proclivity to do less give a mouse a cookie is not going to go away it's it's nuts and okay i'll grant you that okay somehow this union collective knows knows all the ins and outs of the business and they know that the company can afford a two dollar raise per person i don't know where that that money just falls out of the sky apparently we just take it i don't know where's it going to come from um they would argue you know the most moral places to take it from the executive leaders there's a whole problem with that we get into but let's grant that you do know that two dollars an hour raises is doable Mm -hmm. uh in what world does every worker deserve a $2 an hour raise? Some deserve way more. Some deserve to be fired. Mm-hmm. That's a huge problem right there. And he, and then he's for, he said he's not or he's okay with firing, but there should be more measures before he's like, he's like, it should be harder to fire people, but people are still going to get fired. And then he's like, because of socialism, there's going to be all these government projects and government jobs. I'm like, Oh, great. sounds like it's, it's going to be real easy. That's where all the A A players are going to go. They're going to go (laughs) dig ditches for the highway division (laughs) of the government. It's And and it's going to be real easy to fire those people because the socialistic government loves firing incompetent workers. They have a huge, great track record of that. It's a bad understanding of money. He's understanding money as if, 
um, like money is the total, uh, I don't even know how he understands money because it, it, it's so far off from what it actually is. And what it actually is, is a representation of the transfer of goods and services. That That's what money is. And so you can change the amount that you're paying people, but all that will do is the supply and demand will catch up. And so you will still end up having people that are in the same position that they're in now. Unless you, the only other way to do that is that complete complete socialistic method, which is where you pay everybody, you know, this equal amount of money. But then there's literally zero incentive. Uh, there's no incentive for advancement. There's no incentive for uh, innovation. And, and if you don't do that, then either if you do it the way that he was stating, you, all that's going to happen is that the value of the dollar is going to shrink, and then because it's going to mean less because they have to pay more and the people at the top, maybe they lose more money, but so will the people at the bottom. They're not going to have as much collective goods and services because all those collective goods and services are going to be wasted on institutions that are literally just there to make sure that the goods and services are transferred correctly or correctly based on his own measure. And he's still, he's pretty much stating that everything that we're doing is incorrect and everything needs a governing body that allows it to be corrected. And how much goods and services is that wasting? And he doesn't ever take that into account. No. And there's a, there's hours long conversations behind the foundations of money. Like I mentioned yesterday, you just brought up prices. I just thought of a bunch of things that we could talk about how um, subsidies and you know giving away Wonder Bread for free is a uh, distorts price signals and that has ripple effects throughout the economy. And so, and if you're giving people housing and food and all that stuff, then the prices of housing and food aren't true reflections of their value because they're being corrupted at all these different levels because they're being granted. And is the is the money guarantees for all of these positive human rights that we're you know creating a floor and a safety net for people? Is that money coming from printing money? Because then yeah. we have a whole other issue. We got to talk about the the negative effects of printing money and inflation and, and, and inflation yeah. and in fake money. Or like, is the does the socialist want to go back to the gold standard or Bitcoin or uh, a central bank digital currency, which is not I would love hard, which is not hard money. Um, there's yeah. huge problems with that. But but then uh, you run out. That's the problem. The the, the then your goods and ser- if you can't print the money then you're going to run out because you're wasting so much of your time, resources, and effort just trying to keep your system going. And so based on yeah, another country- The government runs out of money. Yeah, the, the government. Yeah, yeah because the gov- they're not allowed. The government to runs out of money. Yeah, yeah, and then-, and then um, They need and to raise, country need that's to raise revenues then. Another country that's not doing that is going to be at an extreme advantage over, which is why- America rose to the amount of power that it did was because it had these extreme advantages that were uh, automatically in its system um, because there was was, less uh, regulation. It was free of historical bureaucracy. That's the big difference. You got to start over. Yes. And so for it it took it took hundreds of years for us to fuck that up. But the the reason uh, yeah these European countries didn't see this growth rate is because they had hundreds of years of. entrenched bureaucracies and old school ways of thinking and you can't do that because this is the way we've done it for hundreds of years but there wasn't any of that in the u.s yep and so we got to start fresh free free free-minded free thought so why see this like unfettered capitalistic example like this free new experiment why try to make it like the other countries that aren't 
producing at the same rate that aren't inventing and growing at the same rate it it doesn't make sense it, it you can say well i think what he's getting at the heart of is america is obviously not advancing at the rate that it was previously um and so we're doing something wrong because there's other countries that are catching up and their ideas are are somewhat comparable comparable because they're catching up but I think where he gets confused was he thinks that that happened because capitalism is breaking down. Well, I think that that happened because you're institutionalizing socialistic ideals into a capitalistic government, uh, where when it was always meant to be free market, as free as possible. Um, and, and then instead, it has slowly become more and more regulated. And, and so what ends up happening is, yes, other countries are able to catch up because we've regulated the shit out of our country and those are causing a causing a ripple effect throughout our entire economy and and so i think he's just missing the i think he has the right idea in mind which is what he wants he wanted to help people and he wants to have people that grow up in disadvantaged communities have a chance and, and so i think there's ways to do that though that are way easier than what he's presenting. And you're talking about, I'm talking about like reforming education to where you, you, if you can go through it at a higher speed, you should be able to move through it at a higher speed. So those kids that are um, in those less uh, advantaged uh, countries, you know, we already pay for uh, high school and uh, education. If they can move through it at a high speed and learn the information that they need to, then we're wasting less resources on education. That would be a way to, to waste less resources and then free up more money, free up more time, free up more effort. Um, but instead, he wants to double down. Let me, let's do double the regulation, double the, and maybe we can fix it. it it's, it, it's impossible. It, it just is not going to work because it doesn't take in, like I said earlier, does not take into the account rebellion and, and the ability for the natural ability for people to want to make their own decisions about life. And right. so the more you tell them that they're, they're not the ones that are making the decisions, someone else is making their own decisions. They are no longer their own human. Instead, they're part of this collective group when instead they should have the right and the freedom to be a part of their own humanity and, and do the things that they want to do. But the more you force these regulations and rules, the more they're going to be forced into roles that they didn't want to play. And you, you saw it in Mao's China and you saw it in Russia. And I don't understand what he never pointed to in that whole doc, doc in the whole uh, conversation. He never pointed to an, a good example of why this would work. It, it was it was always yeah, here's my arguments against capitalism, which is, yeah. you know, to, I get it. I there's been plenty of problems with capitalism, and, and there's been plenty plenty of problems with really really rich people taking advantage of really really poor people. But you think that that it, it's just going to be shifted from really really rich to really really powerful, and then the really really powerful yeah. are still going to take advantage of the really really less powerful or incompetent people and, and if they don't have money as an outlet to do it imagine how they will yeah. i mean it could be so much worse and and they could be you know to killing people to there there's so many different avenues of how people will still want to gain control whereas what gets back to how you presented it yesterday which is is simply 
let's decentralize the, the, let's decentralize our ideas and, and allow people so that if it does happen it happens on this small scale and then people can see it in a different community and go oh that didn't work as an experiment that didn't necessarily work and, and so then they can reiterate what actually needs to happen reconfigure what actually needs to happen and then move forward I think that that just would work a thousand times better than than just trying to force everybody with a gun to their head. This is what you have to do. Yeah, for the for the for the greater good. One of my favorite definitions of uh, money also brought Robert Breedlove or one of his guests. Uh, he's he's been collecting all these definitions of money because his show is called What Is Money. So he's got like fifty different definitions or something. Um, but one of them is uh, money is just liquid power. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, 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 and so, yeah, he's just trying to, he's trying to replace capital wealth with bureaucratic power and, yeah. and you, you get the same kinds of evils from that. But the, the big difference or why I would like, I would prefer to have a bunch of rich capitalists instead of a bunch of I don't know, and bureaucrats and government is the one has the legal authority to use violence and one doesn't. Mm -hmm. Yes. And, and they, they dismissed that. Bezos can, Bezos can only aggress on other people by using his money to pay the government to use their force for him and if they did and advantages and, and if you sever that tie then <laughs> he faces consequences for using uh, for aggressing on others just like anybody else and that that creates I don't, that creates the, a society where the same rules apply to everybody and and that's so, what we want we want fairness that doesn't yeah, happen in socialism. So my my one, yeah, it's this aim at fairness. And the more you try to aim at fairness, the more that you you end up in an unfair society. We, we've got to make sure we're defining fair the right way. Well, fair isn't an equal outcome for everybody. Fair just means the same rules apply to everybody. Equal opportunity. Equal no, opportunity. Not even equal opportunity. The same rules apply to everybody. I like Equal that. opportunity means you have the same starting place. And if you want oh, to guarantee fair. the same starting place, then you need socialistic stuff. And that's correct. And social back to my, I didn't finish this point. I went on a rant about bread, but uh, he only, th he thinks all you have to do to maximize human flourishing is to cap the downside and mm -hmm. shit will just, uh, plants will just grow out of dirt without. Yeah. And he's forgetting that there's incentives. There's all kinds of incentives to not start the business or to to take the risk because the upsides are so capped by socialism in a lot of different ways. Um, the, I just had an example of this, of this the other day and it's not quite socialism, but God damn it, if it's not a perfect example of why government bureaucracy and regulation keeps people from becoming their best selves and becoming happier and create, you know, ultimately creating school shoot shooters and extreme examples. The girl I'm talking to, the girl I'm dating, Michelle, lives in Germany different regulatory environment it's a bunch of engineer type culture everybody follows the rules and oh my god you can't break the rules the, the mm -hmm. rule compliance over there has been very interesting to learn about especially given their history but she has all these little ideas for side businesses and she keeps going over to meet with her friend and she's like i would love to start this side business a lot of that reason is because she doesn't like her main job she's working on changing it but She's like, I need to get satisfaction from somewhere else. I want to start this side business. And she needs all kinds of, she needs a different tax ID number. She needs all these permits and approvals. She needs to pay for uh, this registration, that registration. 
And by the time she puts together that list of all the fucking pointless hoops she has to jump through, she's like, it's not worth it. I don't have the time to do this. And um, maybe she does decide that in the long run, it would be worth it and she should go about it. But today it killed her dream today. Yeah. It killed her dream last week. And yeah. so she kicks the can down the road and she could get hit by a bus tomorrow, you know, and, because and it's how so many thousands scary. or millions of examples are there in especially in Germany or high regulatory environments like in China and uh, all these different, how many ideas are just being squashed because they never had a chance to get started? Yes, that person has bread and a uh, roof from the government. Great. But how, how many how many dreams are being crushed because you have to have your fucking thumb on everything? And, mm -hmm. and that's happening even in the US. And that's my argument like that people, it. poor people stay poor. It's not because of Bezos. It's because you won't let somebody run a nail salon out of the back of their house because they have to have to have a permit. They yeah, have to dumb commercials. They have to be, and, and there's millions of examples like that. I'm trying to start a nonprofit currently. And I have, as I've gotten deeper and deeper into um, the the ability to do so, it, you're talking about at least a year and a half of essentially litigation that you have to and hoops that you have to jump through just to be able to want to do something good for your own community yeah. legally. Which you should need. There should be no per, no permission. Yeah, the, the it should free just... market solves for bad nonprofits, especially since yeah, people had a decent argument that. Um, malicious companies could abuse their customers more effectively, even in a free market, uh, but like pre-internet, because it's just harder for word to get around. Like um, if, if Toyotas are blowing up or like the brakes fail and you crash into a wall, but you didn't have the, you know, the access to the internet to tell you that and things going viral and you hearing about it, like, and you live in a small town, what are the odds your newspaper is going to pick it up or that you're going to see it. But since the internet, there's so much intercommunication there that it's really hard to argue that the bad actors won't be weeded out. Yeah. The, the, I, ba I, the I, persistent I bad actors are the ones that are in bed with the government because they're using the government's power to give them legitimacy and to provide cover for them. This, is the, this is the big pharma argument. If, if you get rid of the FDA and the CDC and all that stuff and just big pharma are left to operate as independent businesses, Customers would demand independent, verifiable, third-party like verification, um, quality inspectors, all these different things. And there, the the independent third-party testing facilities, their entire reputation is based on them staying objective and not like granting favors to some people. Because if people found that out, then not, another test mean anything, and they go out of business. So everybody all along this chain has incentives to keep people in check. Um, and it, uh, this company puts their little third-party stamp on their product so that customers know that it's um, been verified by Trust Us Incorporated. Yeah. And that's how regulation, that's how Should a true demand-based regulation naturally arises without pointing guns at people. Because you have that problem that happens currently in, in America where the 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 politics and the po politicians and big pharma work together um, and they say, OK, we're going to pass. We're going to give you this funding um, for your uh, political campaign. And in doing so, uh, uh, at the end of that, I want you to make sure that this part of the litigation doesn't get passed or does get passed. Right. Whichever is right. in their favor. 
or that you choose our vaccines or that you promise to buy yeah. a certain amount of vaccines or that you let us put in our contract that people can't sue for anything that goes wrong with these vaccines. Yeah. I mean, we just saw the biggest example of that in, in yeah. modern day history. None uh, of which they would be able to do without government. Not right. a single one of those. You have to voluntarily, peacefully interact with people. To, imagine, to... Ima- imagine that system. It's a, the, the COVID protocol system in, in a free market society. So you have com- you have multiple companies, not two, three. You have multiple companies trying to design the best possible medicine with the resources that they have to allocate. Yeah. And, and so they come up with these different choices, and then they test them, and sh- they would have to prove their legitimacy yeah. before someone would be willing to try it. And then right. you're not in the dark, one. So the anxiety, the, the natural anxiety that so many Americans have felt towards the vaccine would come down. Um, and they could actually have that choice of maybe you don't want to try this. Maybe this is not something that you're ready for. And you should at least have that choice as a human. Telling someone that they don't have a choice, I think it's even wrong to tell people like it, it that it's wrong to tell people like suicide is the worst thing ever. It's happened in my family. And it's terrible. But to tell somebody that, you know, you don't have the right to make your own decisions about your own life, even I I question even that. And that's at the the highest level uh, of that. But especially in medicine, they should have the right to choose. And I get the good of the uh, the greater good of of all people. But if that was true in the countries that had less regulation, you would have seen worse results. And that wasn't the case. You, you saw better results in, often in many countries that had less regulation on how they were going about the, the whole COVID experience. Uh, and then forcing people to, to leave their jobs, forcing people to, to do all of these other things that should, a government should never even have the right to force. It should be a choice. And, and maybe the, the group of community would help them out um, but right now you get this dissolute, dis, they get to dissolve all your responsibility, all of everybody gets to dissolve their responsibility of helping people. They don't help people because we tell them the government's got your back. And, and so instead of helping their feather brothers and sisters um, with problems that they're having, that they, they know that there's this, they, or they'd rather dissolve that to the government and make them be the ones that have to help them in their times of need or, and, and it's just, I don't think that that would exist if you had a free market that was available. One question that I did want to ask you, um, because I am new to more new to the, the these ideals, um, is how do you solve the problem of healthcare in a free market society? Yeah. So I I was wanting to make this point earlier. I'll grant to. Um, the socialists out there that I understand how conceptually the status quo could be worse than moving. It's not really left or right, but moving towards more regulation or less regulation and, and how uh, maybe in the example of healthcare, uh, like more regulation, more universalism, all that uh, Medicare for all would be better than the status quo and moving towards less regulation would also be better. Like we're in the, we're in the worst bureaucratic expensive yeah uh, horrible mix of the two worlds right now yeah uh, i don't agree that moving towards 
socialist socialistic healthcare. Um, I don't either, but would, would make it better because of all the things that we've talked about in the past. Human, it comes down to human behavior and human incentive. Um, but uh, and I would agree that healthcare might be the most complicated issue. It, it's between that and homelessness for me. Yeah, and how to solve it because it's so multifaceted, it's so entrenched, and it's so important. It, it's not just a, oh, you just do this and then it completely solves yeah. itself. Um, but here, I'm going to say that uh, all you have to do with healthcare is uh, is make it more free, not free as in zero cost, which is yeah. but makes me absolutely insane when somebody when people call it free college or free healthcare. It's never they, free. It's just demonstrating that you, it's just proving to me in one tagline that you don't know how money works. Yeah. Uh, it's not free. Nothing's in free. In no way is it free. Nothing's free. If um, it was free, they wouldn't get be, be getting paid. How do they get paid? Where does the money come from? <laughs> like right. it, it, somebody had to pay that person and it's you in your taxation. And, right. and, and so, and, and now what, what we're seeing is the problem is, the politicians that are in control utilize these needs that we do have, that everybody has. They utilize them to pass things that they want to get done. And, and so they hide them in their bills. They hide large, huge fundings towards things that we don't even know that we're agreeing to. Um, this bill that just is going to pass, it's 4,200 pages long, and they introduced it hours within the vote. Yeah. And, and nobody, nobody had any real say in what happened. And you see this on, on the right side of things like they, they built when Trump passed his bill, he made sure to get a, a new hundred million dollar FBI facility. And how necessary was that? Why was that even brought up in the same topic? Like, why was that ever hidden? Why did that have to be hidden inside of a COVID bill that was supposed to help all of these Americans ju just to get it passed? Well, probably because he promised somebody that this would happen and this was his way of getting it done. Yeah. And, and that's another example of how it, you can't say that our government is corrupt and then say we need more government at the right. same time. More government will fix government corruption. Yeah. How is that? If that was the case, then the then more as we regulation more government, will fix right? the, more regulation yeah. will fix the problems of regulation. Yeah. If that was the case, then the regulation that we had put in place would be fixing the problem instead of increasing the problem. Yeah. And, and I don't I don't think any American would disagree that there's more problems in those regulatory environments, such as healthcare, um, and such as you know corrupt politicians being able to participate in the stock market and, and make hundreds of millions of dollars off of decisions they they get to influence. I I think that that's very obvious. And so then you add in this socialistic, they would become instead of one king that gets to live great over all of the land, um, comparatively to all the peasants, it would be this giant group of people that get to make all of the decisions and make all of the um, reap all of the benefits of those decisions and then make all of the choices for what they believe is fair for you. Uh, and, and you're saying in arguing against that, you would have to be saying that the, you, you're not capable of making your own decisions or that if you, if you were that you were going to make a decision that is going to be um not parallel with the good, the greater good. And I just don't think that that's ever been proven. I, I think that you look at, um, like I'll go back to the Indians or native Americans, um, that they had a very harmonious society 
where they loved and respected all people. And there was no government ruler saying this is what needs to be done. Now, there might have been a leader of their tribe or a leader, but that would also happen in this decentralization. There will be leaders that that come come about, Mm -hmm. but it's okay to have leadership. It's different when you're so far away from your leadership that you can't see what's actually happening. Yeah. And when that's what we're experiencing here in America is we're so far away from what's actually happening that we're there's so much one confusion and chaos, but two, we don't even actually know what we're voting for or voting against. It, it, it's it to the me, bigger, it's the bigger, sad. The bigger the group becomes, the less representative the democracy becomes. Without question, that's just math. That's just, just math. math. And then when you add a bunch of like, yeah, um, yeah, when you add a culture of, of corruption and the system, the omnibus package, like pork and throwing in all kinds of bullshit that's immaterially related to uh, the bill's title or the gross, sneaky, slimy tactic of naming a bill something that would look bad if you voted against it, the HEROES Act the Affordable Care Act, you know, naming it something that if on a bumper sticker, you put this person voted against the Heroes Act and you're like, oh, they yeah. must be a piece of shit. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> is it, we need to just, yeah, go uh, take the take the handcuffs off, start calling it the, um, the Anti-Baby Abuse Act and then throw whatever the fuck you want in there. And then everybody, anybody that votes against it, you put that tagline across CNN and then you're, uh, yeah, their career's over. They look like a shitty person. Um, it, it, I think the libertarian or free market solution to healthcare is uh, a whole hour in and of itself. Um, but I, I just the thought experiment, the easy thought experiment that I'm still waiting for a decent argument against is the 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 industries that are failing that people are the most frustrated with, the people that pay the most for. There's a perfect correlation to how much they're regulated. Mm-hmm. The three biggest shit show industries out there are housing, education, mm-hmm. and healthcare. Mm-hmm. Without a doubt. In what three private industries does the government have their hands in the most? N- not even the most. It can complete control. It's a monopoly. Yeah. It's a governmental monopoly. And that's exactly well, they're, what they're, they're, yeah, they're, they're pretending it's a free market. They're pretending this is capitalistic and like, no wonder people hate capitalism. They think real estate, they think real estate and big pharma and public college, they think or even private college, the higher education system in general, they think that's all that's capitalism doing its best. It's like, this is so, so far. I mean, you look at the FDA, capitalism. you look at the FDA, which in, in turn could be, if you break that down into multiple regulatory environments, people would find that this is the one I trust. This is the one I, or this is the one I trust. But when you have one, which is what we have or what Americans have, then it it becomes the central decision maker period. They're they're the only ones. So they are, they're a governing monopoly over what gets in and what gets out. Yep. What what is not accepted and what is accepted. And instead, if you had even if it was four, five, six, the you know governing uh, monopoly or not monopoly governing uh, powers for food because we do want our food to be you know safe to eat. That's a, a very good thing. We want our drugs to be safe to consume. Um, so I do think that the amount of research needs to go into that. But 
it shouldn't happen universally through one institution. There should be multiple institutions that we we that compete as, with each other. Yeah, it, 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 choose it, from. Don't you? Isn't it so simple to see how if you have one gatekeeper that has all the power, how that just lends itself to to corruption? It, this is it goes back to the COVID narrative. Like if there's if if there's one narrative from one central body, even if they do make even if some of their decisions are right and some happen to be wrong, they have this huge incentive to maintain their power. And to maintain their power, they need a cohesive narrative. They need everybody to be on the same page. They need to um, sweep failure or uh, all yeah, that under the rug under the to preserve themselves. And, and that goes against everything that they claim to be, which is uh, objective and science-based. And it's like, no, this is self-preserving. And the, yeah. the, the FDA is the same way. And, and you're inviting corrupt capitalism because if um, if Tyson Foods knows they only have one agency that they have to get on their side or bribe or yeah. create an exception for, then they are free because they have the seal, the stamp of the United States government on all their food um, and they're good to go and nobody can question it. And yeah. um, private independent uh, reviews uh, don't mean anything because the all-powerful FDA gave them a pass. So it's like, it's cool. They, they know they know exactly what address to have all their lobbyists type into Google Maps? It's like we're all going to one place, baby. We we'll and it would it would be great if and some maybe at some points in their history they have had a great leader of the FDA that makes great rules. It would be great if that was the truth. But given enough time, without question, given enough time, eventually somebody will step into that position that is not that that way and 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 they that corrupts the whole institution itself and when you don't have any competitive nature against that then that whole corruption is going to fall onto everyone that's underneath it um and so that i mean that should be scary in and of itself is like it's set up that if one bad person comes into leadership it can have a negative effect on everyone Instead That's of true in the public and private se- sector equally, but there are consequences in the private sector. In the public yeah. sector, nobody loses any of their own money, and uh, or, or it's easier to limp it along. Or, well, in the private sector, you can if they make mistakes like that, or if they take advantages, or if they lie to the people. You know, there's lawsuits. There's ways for or the, um, the board votes them to be punished. Yeah, or the board board votes them out, and then you have somebody else that that can come along. Um, or, or you have another company that just takes over because they're more successful because they're producing a better product, and, and that's really at the heart of everything. Like we're trying to build a better society. If you want to build a better society, you need competing ideas, constantly competing ideas, and, and in every single form. And then allowing the mass amount of people to take in data and then figure out which one of those is the best idea to move forward with. But then that still needs to be competed against so that we get to the next step in evolution yeah. of creating something better. I mean, that, that's literally how the evolution of humanity works. And and, and then that's worked, you know, pretty, pretty damn well. We're here. Um, and so instead we're creating a system that doesn't work naturally like that at all. We're, we're, we're saying this is, this is the person that gets to make the decision. And if you don't like their decision, or if you don't trust their decision, it doesn't, doesn't matter. 
uh, you get called like a conspiracy theorist if you, if you don't trust that the FDA is, has your best concern in mind when we don't even know either way left or like we don't know whether they have your best decision in mind because we have nothing to compare it to. We have right. no other outside entity that is yeah. that would come out and say, hey, this is what they're doing wrong. This is what we're doing better. Uh, and, and vice versa. And then if they're competing with each other, then you get to know everything about both of them. Yeah. And, and yeah. And then when you get all of that data, then you can make your own choice. Uh, instead, our or choice is too complicated. You outsource your choice to somebody that you trust another private independent, you know, Yes. Uh, whoever it is. And whoever um, did it best would be the one that people trusted the most. And uh, one, one thing I did like about what he said uh, I, I, yeah, we I should do. probably compliment him at some point. This is, yeah. Well, yeah, what did you, I, what'd you like about him or what's a what's stuff that made you really think? Uh, all of it made me really think because I have kept myself from divulging into socialistic ideals just because, you know, one in uh, America were taught of how evil everything about socialism is, um, from a young age and not anymore. And now it's widely accepted, but, but um, that idea that you shouldn't explore the ideas of something because it's evil, that there yeah. should be no correlation. Yeah. Instead, you should learn it more. You, you should, yeah. you should really understand what they think, one, there might be something to it, but two, you you should at least test your own theory because it's the same thing. If you if you have one theory, it's the same thing as what we were just talking about with the FDA. If you have one theory and that's all you're sticking with, and that's the yeah. only thing, your only truth, and you don't compare it to anything else, then how do you know if it's really true? Right. Well, you, you Christian, have to... Christians should know the seven tenets of Satanism. Yeah. 100%. How many of them do? None. <laughs> or not none, but very <laughs> few. None. It's a uh, it's uh, less than one percent, and instead, I mean, you see it in Christianity. I grew up in a, a highly Christian home, and and you see it in Christianity uh, like wildfire. They 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 just reconform their own beliefs, and then utilize uh, negative rhetoric against other people um, to kind of reinforce that you know if you leave us then it's even worse out there like it's so much where it, it makes me so crazy there are millions of I, I don't know we'll lump every we'll crudely lump everybody into a bucket uh for this example but i'm seeing millions of young well-meaning liberals le feel all smart because they're leaving their old school religion christianity mm -hmm. or islam or whatever it is they're um, they're secularizing and they're like, my parents are dumb for following along with that. Like, because, uh, and then they'll give all these specific examples about how their religion um, did a bad job of convincing them that that was the right way to go because all they did was like put them in this informational box, you know, not let the information about Satanism or other religions or perspective or whatever. Um, we're not going to ask the tough questions. Um, mm -hmm. we're, we're just going to convince you this is right through our version of limited propaganda. And they're like, that's such a terrible way to convince me that that's a good lifestyle. And then they'll go out into the political world and fall for the exact same shit. They'll vote for politicians that all they do is demonize the other side. They don't have a coherent policy prescription. They don't have uh, principles for how what role the government plays in our lives and how we should run the economy. And I'm like, you're doing the exact same thing. You're just finding religion through your political party instead of yeah. through Christianity. So, uh, and enjoy your horoscope, by the way. Like, yeah. I, I, it makes it me back crazy. To it goes back to Jordan. Another thing Jordan Peterson said, where it was, um, and I mean, I don't agree with him on everything, but 
on on this topic the people's need for meaning and, and uh yeah, yeah. desire to find meaning that when you when you've been taught how to do something incorrectly uh, and find meaning incorrectly which i in my eyes and the religious eyes that i grew up through and scope i believe that's an incorrect way of going about it you never logically um like you said ask the hard questions a ask the questions that people don't want to talk about why is this why could this possibly not be true why could this right. possibly not work and um, that's how scientists know that you have to operate science in order to improve it's not how do i prove my idea it's how do i make my idea so concrete that it's not disprovable and, and and so that that we don't do that and but we're taught from a very young age many people are taught from a very young age that you don't do that i include myself because i, I was the same way and then you go out into the political sphere and of course you're going to do the same yeah. pattern of thinking and of course you're going to try to solve your problems with the same pattern of thinking because you don't know another pattern of thinking and that's what I, that's why I said, I believe this starts at the educational route. Yeah. We have to change our education system to where it's not, this is, this is, what do I learn is well, everything that I learn is I want to memorize the facts that you're telling me, not, I want to try to understand what happened and questioned whether or not this is real or not. How else would we progress? If you don't think that way, if you don't, if you're not going to allow yourself to question what is real and what is not, then how are we going to find any new information? If you just believe everything that you're told by what everybody says, you should have the right and you should be taught to think in that way. And I don't think that most people are taught to think in that way. I think most people are instead taught to follow the rules, do as you're told, and listen to everything we say and memorize it. And, and when you're when you're taught to be that way, of course, as soon as somebody presents an idea that appeals to one of the needs that you have, you are going to fall wholeheartedly into it. And that's what you see, especially with, uh, on, in my mind, the right and the left, actually, right now, is you see, that's why Donald Trump, I think, became so um, exciting of a, a figure, is that people were looking for this person that was, you know, not not a a political guy they've been uh they were trying to find religion in their politics and and they had the, all he has all these ideas and he says them so concretely he says them like they, they are 100 real and so people are naturally trained that when somebody says something like that with that much confidence uh, and grandiosity they naturally gravitate to it because they feel like there's some truth to it yes, there's some there's, truth there's yeah, there's Never stability, there's stability behind this charisma. There's answers here. This guy but there's no logical questioning. So they don't actually figure out, is there actually substance to what he's saying? They never once question, is there sub substance to what this man is trying to, to personify? They just hear his confidence and they hear his concrete statements about what the way thing, this is the way things are. This is exactly what happens. And they go, wow, I've really been needing that stability back since I lost my stability in Christianity or another religion. Yep. Yep, I agree. I, on the left, I, I think it, it went the 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 complete, uh, you know, the it's going that way now, whereas you hear so like these, one, socialism 20 years ago, people would have been like, what are you talking about? And, and now people are, are inviting that conversation back in. And I think that that is, 
I don't think it's a dangerous to talk about it, but it's dangerous because we're educated not to think. And when we're educated not to think, this idea can be propagated. It should, every idea should be allowed to be propagated, but now it can be propagated and people don't have the right to question it, or they don't think that they have the right to question it or to think about why this might not work. They tell you why it works and then why the other side is bad. And they don't, they don't ever try to stop and think, hmm, maybe I should question my own logic, question my own thinking here, and let's see if I can come to my own conclusion. It's, it's a follower mentality. Maybe, right. And maybe, man, maybe that's the fundamental divide. I don't like, uh, I hate the us versus them mentality for basically anything because I hate collectivism. Yeah. Uh, my entire philosophy is based on individualism, um, but maybe I don't view the fundamental divide in this country as, as left or right. And I don't view it even, and I th probably previously thought, um, do you, do you want, uh, are you hoping for more freedom or less freedom for people? I think, you know, I, there was probably a phase where I thought like, that's the fundamental divide. It's us, the people that want more freedom versus them. The, they ultimately want less freedom for people. But what I really think it might be after talking with you and something I'm going to keep thinking about is, the fundamental divide is uh, the people that encourage you to question everything versus mm -hmm. the people that tell you not to. Right. The people that'll praise you for whether it's your religion, your education, uh, flat earth, uh, yeah. name something. If somebody's actively discouraging you from healthily questioning you whether that's run. the right way to go, um, yeah, that's an authoritarian in sheep's clothing yeah you should run as fast as you can because if you don't that's if you don't you are you are not living your own life and i think that's the worst part of it you are living a version of their life you're living a version of what they want you to do and you're not making your own decisions based on your they're, own experiences they're keeping Instead, you in a box to protect themselves Exactly. Exactly. They're a teacher that no, they're in, in a way a teacher that knows that if, as long as you stay stupid, you'll keep following me. As long you'll as long as you don't question this, you'll keep following me. And anybody that teaches in that manner shouldn't be trusted because then they don't even believe in themselves. If you really believed in yourselves, you would have no problem with allowing anyone to come at you with a logical retort because you would want to know more about what you know and and strengthen your own argument and understand your own argument. Uh, I, and, I, and some people argue nowadays and it's not even logical arguments. So I don't even not talking about those people. Those people, you might as well just not put in your life because they're just gonna be feeding you the same thing that they hear from someone else. Yeah. Um, but if you have somebody that can really logically sit down and talk to you and bring up their ideas, even like that guy that, that we were listening to, he he did a good job of at least playing devil's advocate at times. And, and not enough, I don't think, but, but you could tell that it brought him to more logical conclusions because his version of socialism wasn't as bad as, you know, a traditional Marxist socialism. Uh, it, it's still not good, but you could tell that he had come to some of the what I would say in my mind is better ideas at this point in my life, the libertarian ideals. He had a few of them in there. Um, it's just that you, like you said, he wanted to put a gun at people's head to say, you have to do this. Mm -hmm.
and how and terrible that wasn't mentioned that that wasn't mentioned once i think that changes the frame that changes the frame of so many people say we should have a law for this we should have a law for that we should uh, provide for this and provide for that uh, but when you strip away all the layers you have to ask yourself every single time every politician every time they sign their name on a bill are am i willing to point a gun at somebody's head to enforce this because yeah. that's what you're doing yeah, without without it's not you know not a real and, gun, and but it is. It a is real the gun. well, it is the. I mean, I mean, it kind of is at this point. Yeah, it, yeah. No, it at some point it doesn't. People comply before any any immediate harm actually happens. But, but if you if you're sitting on a sidewalk and you're like, no, I'm not going to jail. I'm not complying. I'm like, um, eventually, they will uh, either shoot you or tase you. They will aggress upon you to get you to comply enough that they can put you in the cage. So it is pointing a gun at people's heads. Yeah, that is, that is actually extremely true. Anything you're not willing to kill or imprison people over, you can't make a law about it. No, that, that I think that that is, uh, that should be at the heart. And, and I think this is actually a good next topic. Uh, I'd love to get your thoughts on this. I think that laws should have a revision. You might have been the person that mentioned yeah, I think, this. Yeah, yeah, that uh, they should have an auto. Uh, it's it's an idea. I think I heard from Elon Musk. It's a, an auto expiration, um, yeah. in whatever time frame that is, ten years, twenty years, something like that. But if if it's not actively voted, actively transparently voted on, not yeah. in some fucking pork bill on its own if it's not reinstated it falls off the books and is no longer law after by default after a certain amount of time and i i think the decentralization needs to happen more than that because because i i fear that there's so much corruption in the political sphere now that they will pass whatever they deem necessary to pass um and there's not much control we have because you only have control between you only have control enough to choose between two the lesser of two evils and, and so instead of somebody that you might think would would make a good logical candidate for the house or the senate you're you're instead probably just going to vote with whichever part most people are going to vote with uh whichever party they affiliate with the most without even taking into consideration the the possible the possibility of, of other candidates um and and that's hard to stop um but it would be much easier if we decentralized if the 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 power was decentralized because you can do that on a city level and you you can definitely do you might be able to do it on a state level but you could definitely do it on a city level and and, and if you were able to instead you don't have to worry about the politics of everything you just worry about the politics of your city your domain that yeah. you're currently living in then now you can actually have a voice and a say inside of that but you can't have a voice that we don't have much of a voice and a say in what happens at large in, in the country because you're just choosing between two people that nobody really takes the time to know and understand and why would they because your vote is so minimal yeah. you know there's how many people are in, in America? 360 million. Yeah. Uh, so you're one and three, one 360 millionth and, and uh, of the vote uh, for president. And then maybe in each state, you're one six millionth uh, of the vote. I, I think it, it should probably at this point, now that we have so many more people, be broken down one more time to a city level at least. I think that should be at, at the minimal 
um, because there are a lot more people that exist now. And, and so to try to say that that system is broken, I think it's broken because there's less, we have less say on what actually happens at the, because there's more of us simply yeah. just a, a numbers game. You know, we, there's, we're one 360 millionth of the decision-making process. Whereas at a city level, maybe you're one, even if you live in a big city, one, yeah. one millionth, you know, um, which is still probably not enough, but it, it's a, if you can move to it, you, if you wanted, you could move to a smaller town and have a yeah. larger say. Um, I, I just think that that would work so well. And I, I would, I would love for like the devil's ad, advocate of, cause you've spent more time thinking about this. Is there any downside to doing that, to decentralizing the power to cities? Uh, well, I, I don't know if, um, uh, I, I don't think by law that you can, are we entertaining a hypothetical here that they all are cities? Because I think what would actually happen is if you just let people experiment, there will be experiments at every size. There's going to be swaths of territory out West where it's um, there's no jurisdiction. And then there's going to be some people that decide that city States are the best size to collect. And then there's going to be, you know, California's that decide to be a stay a state. Um, There's going to be, um, and all those are different experiments um, at different levels. And sometimes the right answer is different for different areas and different people. So there's going to be collectives at all different sizes, but assuming that there's a bunch of different city States, I don't know the steel manning against steel manning centralization. It's, um, there's, I think some of the harder questions, harder doesn't mean it, um, makes libertarianism, not the right way to go. Uh, but there's not an easy answer for some infrastructure. Yeah. Interstates, interstates, trains, things like that. But uh, I mean, that that problem gets solved just like all the other problems get solved through uh, private voluntary contracts. Yeah. Um, So infrastructure and the national defense is the other one too. Private investors at this point, I I don't even think that that would be an issue because there are people with large amounts of money that could still, you know, build interstates and then, Maybe you have to have toll roads or or, or something like that, yeah, but right. in, but you don't have to pay taxes. You right. know, you're not paying uh, these large amounts of, ta- or at least the large amounts. I know we can't take this giant step all at once, but the fact that we're spending hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars, if not billions of dollars, on building up these large armies that we don't use, and uh, spending, you know, crazy amounts of money on all these like fighter jets and all of that. That was something I agreed with him on. I was like, yeah, that that is not cool. That's like a bunch of wasted money for something that I don't even support. I don't support killing other people, uh, other humans. Um, and, and you're pretty much saying that you're not you, the the government is saying that I have to support that because I have to pay taxes um, without even having yeah, my no vote about where the taxes go or yeah we have no say in, in where the taxes go um, and so I I I think that if you decentralize it down to uh, cities being able to make decisions upon what happens you would at least get to see what you are looking for, which is these 
experiments of people. But then you have to, I think the problem that could arise is if California decides to say this big state, what happens if some Californians want to leave? Uh, or, 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 but they want to live in California, but they want to secede. Like, I mean, should, I, they, should they have the right to vote as a as a county, as a city, to to be able to do that? And and maybe that means they don't reap the perks of the full California, yep. you know, um, experience. But that also means they don't pay the taxes of the full, you know, California yep. experience. Um, and and so I. I I would wonder how that would work, um, but I, I think that it would be better than what we're doing now. We we got to acknowledge that uh, this scenario is pretty far down the road. That doesn't mean yeah, it's, we're not going to eventually get there and something that we eventually have to grapple with. Um, yeah. But we got to acknowledge that there are a million small steps that increase human flourishing before we get to that point. Um, but yeah, at, at this at every level of voluntary association, you should be able to opt out. That means cities get to opt out of California. Yeah, that means they get no support, infrastructure, any of that from California itself. Um, and that, but um, yeah, that means they get to secede. But like uh, at the extreme example, individuals should be able to secede too. Um, mm. Some cra some crazy mountain man here in Colorado, if he own legally owns his property, um, property tax, we can get into how that's a moral violation. Um, he should have to pay for anything that he owns. Go into that real quick. Uh, pro property tax is a, a huge moral evil. Yeah, it, it it's it um it is saying legally you own this land, but you you don't absolutely own it because you have to pay us to own it, or we will throw you in a cage. It's it's ours. That's what it's saying. It is the government is saying it's, it's ours. A, it's a it's an illusion of actual property rights. Um, yes. But the, the crazy mountain man that has 20 acres out in the mountains and a cabin should be able to secede peacefully from the U.S. Now that means any uh, the utility companies that go to him, they should, uh, I mean, that, then they enter voluntary contracts with that guy. Um, they, but, and they can refuse service if they want. Um, there are, yeah, it's this little dot that is not part of the U.S. It, he, he, at all, he gets to make his own laws. He can say, no black people. He can say he can invite whoever he wants. Like if he can, uh, and that's the problem with immigration is uh, the there's a libertarian angle on immigration is uh, the host host based immigration is that you're allowed to invite anybody onto your private property that you want, but you're responsible for them or or whatever. Uh, I don't I don't understand how you could deny. I, I can't deny anybody an opt out ever. Yeah. Because why why would you? It's their own human experience, and they should get to, as long as they're not hurting anyone else. Yep. That's the only stipulation. As long as you're not violating the non-aggression principle, yeah. any individual, group, whatever, should be able to opt out of any single thing. They are not yeah. positively obligated to do anything, as long as yeah. they're not hurting people. And so maybe you have to pay a small amount of taxes simply for your city civil servant and it should be minimized to the to nth degree um and, and then from there um you know i don't even know if if that's necessarily something that you would have to do and maybe they just get i wouldn't i wouldn't say should i think you just you just let people figure out what's yeah. best for them 
And yeah. maybe this is the city state that you want to live in is does have a city council that makes some decisions. I'm cool with that. This is yeah. all an, a massive improvement to the status quo. And so mm. I'm not going to demand that big red button. Um, I, I would have you know, I would that there's an argument that the city council, you know, in government by its definition, because it doesn't have to operate like an individual or a private company, because as a legal monopoly on violence, it has all it inherently grows and seeks more power yes because those yes. how are the the incentives are aligned mr rational socialist yeah so i think it's like minarchism eventually leads to bigger government eventually leads to the yeah. biggest empire that's ever existed um, yeah but hey that's a it's an improvement anyway, i i i also agree that it's an improvement i think I think there's multiple ways that we could improve improve as well if we thought about well, why are we not um, allowing even if you wanted to keep things the exact same way, um, but just as a hypothetical, why are we not allowing for more personal input on laws that exist um, when we have the technology to do so? So, so like, like we have built all of this extra technology and we have the ability, if we wanted to, you could create an app where every single person could vote on every single bill and they would be, it would be perfectly represented uh, of the United States. And that would at least be better than having, you know, 60 people represent 300 million. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it, it's like, we're, we just, we're not taking any steps in that direction which is, uh, I mean, I'm obvious because we haven't had a leader that has any of those ideals or concepts. Um, and I think a lot of it is because you have to dissolve your power in order to allow that. Yep. And why would the person that's trying to gain power want to dissolve their own power? You'd have to be an extremely moral and ethical person to want to do that. And, and I, I, it's it's hard to get to that position while being an extremely moral and ethical person. I, I struggle. Yeah. I struggle with claiming people claiming to be really intelligent or having um, a cohesive political philosophy, but also they need, they're an adult, they're a functioning adult with a mortgage and a job, but they need a group of people. They need to give away a bunch of their freedom to a bunch of people far away in order to save them in order yeah. to secure them, in order to build this safety net for them. It's like, I thought you were this competent, smart person. There's there's no other way to do this. Yeah. And, and so that's, yeah, uh, decentralization solves that problem. Um, what are your of, thoughts? Of, of, of like uh, it, the election fraud. I don't know nearly enough. And I it's it bores me so much, the, the election fraud, but I think it's like super important. And uh, it's, again, because there's so little transparency into the process it's one side arguing there's all kinds of election abuse and the other one uh, other side saying nope everything's on the up and up like everything government does um but decentralization solves that problem you get to run a bunch of little experiments when it comes to elections too it's not just first past the post voting you could do ranked choice voting uh or um you could allow for more political parties or less or no political parties. Um, you can do electronic voting. You can have different requirements for what it takes to be a voter. Some people say if you're 12 or older, you get to vote. You know, all these people get to choose what they want if they get to decentralize. Um, but it, it's harder. 
as the system gets bigger and bitter, bigger, it becomes harder and harder to overhaul these legacy systems, like these old voting yeah. machines, these, um, you know, like the nuclear weapons are run on computers from the eighties and like, you can't even get replacement parts for them. And, anyway. you know, all these outdated systems are a symptom of things getting too big mm -hmm. and not being able to choose because you, and the, or the federal reserve is, you know, changing zeros and ones, uh, for how much money they print out of thin air and send to banks on this like super old school computer with this old school software. It's like, yeah, because you can't have downtime there because it's like, it would could like collapse the whole system or if something goes wrong, it's like, it has these huge implications, but all the stakes get lowered if you decentralize. Information, information goes up and uh, chances for catastrophic failure go down if you have, we're, all, we're balancing on one leg of a stool, just like add more legs to the stool and we'll be fine. Yeah. Do you, do you think there's anything to the idea that that people care less now and seem to be more anxious? Um, I believe that's because they have less meaning in their life um, and they care less because they feel like and right, rightfully so, in my mind, they feel like they don't have any control over what happens to them on a communal standard um, or they they feel like the decisions um, for them are already made. Um, do you think that there's anything to that truth? Oh yeah. Every, every, every word you said. Yeah. I, that's a, a large concern of mine is I, I see that. Um, and I, I talked about this a little yesterday with you, but I see that people are getting more and more anxious, more and more depressed, even though our, our living standards are getting higher and, and and so I think that's one of the most important questions that you can ask is why is that ha happening? Why is, why are people's lives getting better overall, but their enjoyment of their lives is get going down? W what is your thoughts on why that is? Um, it's, it's agency. It's if, if you have the, whether or not you actually have the ability, whether or not you believe you have the ability to change the course of your life, whether that's starting a small business in Germany or um, going through the educational system that you want at the pace that you want, or mm -hmm. or forming the community that you want, you know, voluntarily associating, or being or seceding, being the crazy mountain man mm -hmm. that wants to form his own country. I think if uh, if you don't have if you don't feel like you can control the course of your own life, that builds resentment and that builds nihilism. And yeah. and when you're super resentful and it's it's depressing. It's why people kill themselves. It's it's mm -hmm. because, a lot of times it's because uh, my situation is bad now, and there isn't hope of it improving. Or I'm not even in control of of how to improve it. Yeah, somebody else might make a decision for me, and there's nothing I can do about it that will make my life worse. And that's that's how you lead to anxiety and sadness, and uh, yeah, school shootings. And and I don't I don't think that uh, the left helps at all whenever they are constantly preaching to these disunfortunate people that their life sucks. It'll never get better. There's nothing you can do. The, the only way to form a union. Yeah, the only form way union you and. and 
sorry. And, uh, it, and in the case of shootings, it's uh, ban the guns and that'll solve everything. Yeah. Which uh, is uh, so, and, and that, I don't know, gun rights and things like that. I mean, that's a whole other issue. Well, I mean, I, and I, we can dive into that one a little bit too, but I mean, that goes back to, uh, I think it's Aristotle, Plato, one of the, the ancient Greek philosophers, the, the saying the good people don't need, or good people don't need rules, bad people don't follow them. That is never more prevalent than with guns. Yeah. Uh, uh, good people uh, would follow the rules and they would give back their guns and then the bad people would not follow the rules. And and then the rule renders itself, um, it, you know, innately um, unusable because yep. now you just got a bunch of bad people with guns. And so gun, then now gun free zones crack me up. Yeah, I because mean, it's completely ignoring that fundamental law that's always been true: is that the good people, the the good people will comply, and the bad people won't. So, what the fuck is the point of a gun-free zone? Yeah, the, uh, anybody, the people that the people that leave their guns at home because they're obeying the sign aren't people that you would need to worry about having a gun in the place in the first place. And the, anybody that's going to bring a gun into a place to harm people isn't going to listen to a sign. One thousand percent, and. Uh... And they, they just prove, I mean, that's, that's proven over and over again through history. And the same thing could be said on an economic level. Like if you think these socialistic rules that you're putting in place are going to, not you personally, the, but the socialistic ideal is putting in place, um, then why do you think that the bad people that you self-admittedly say is the reason why we can't be liber, liber, liberated? It, the reason that you feel like there needs to be forced socialism. Um, why do you think that these bad people are going to follow the rules that you put in place? Where, what, one, you're saying that that's not true. And then you're coming back and saying that let's put in all these rules that we know innately that those people are not going to follow. And instead of them being able to be socially punished, you're instead going to protect them as as much as possible um, from the, the social punishment that should happen to people that don't obey the natural flow of, of rules. And that's, I'm not talking about rules set in place. I'm talking about pe people innately know the difference between right and wrong. And, and when people go against uh, and hurt in, uh, another person, there shouldn't, I don't think that there should be massive protections for people that are willing to do that. Uh, at least over and over again. Right. I think that, that that's inhumane uh, to allow someone to to live in society. And, and that's what a lot of times happens in these socialistic. They, they find reasons to always comply to the victim. Uh, and, uh, and the the problem with that is the people that play with that victim mentality, are often not the victim. They're often just a manipulative, manipulative um, bully, a manipulative person that is willing to take advantage of the rules and then they play victim. And then, oh, the system's going to have to comply to them because look at how taken advantage they were. Look, they had to spend and you know 10 years in jail because they killed somebody. Like, shouldn't we feel bad for this person under the socialistic ideal? Like, I don't know because I'm not sure that we want that person running around right. and I, and I'm not sure they would have run around if we were in the old wild wild west they would have been shot yeah yeah uh, it, to me it, it's just 
that that side of things is really confusing for me. Uh, so I'd also love to get into what are your what do you think the pros and cons are of capitalism? Um, I mean, it, it goes back to that definition. My, my favorite de definition of capitalism is capitalism is just what happens when you leave people alone. It's mm -hmm. what it's what naturally arises. Mm -hmm. Everything from deciding on a money, you don't need a government to decide on a money. It'll naturally arise. And we've seen that in history. Over and over. Uh, people have different skills and different goods and services, and they will naturally barter with each other to mm. exchange goods and services. And that's all capitalism is. It's it's voluntary exchange of goods and services. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and and so that's positive because... It's what naturally arises. I, I mean, uh, I'm flirting with uh, uh, the Christian right here that uh, it's good because it's natural. Um, that's not necessarily the case. Uh, or like what's you think it's you're asserting that it's natural and it's not necessarily. But yes, I, in a capitalism naturally arises on a desert island between two people. And, uh, yeah. and that scales up no matter how many people that you introduce. So not only does it naturally arise, which I think gives it a ton of merit, but it aligns with human behavior. It mm. it promotes the correct incentives and disincentivizes aggression. Yeah. Without a without a central bank, without government, without government regulation, uh, aggression, abuse becomes very costly. Mm. So costly that people are incentivized not to do it, or if they uh, are, they're they're punished, or um, or if they do, it's like not you know it's short term only. It's uh, not sustainable because there are all kinds of naturally arising mechanisms that prevent that. the The people that are able to voluntarily associate with others and exchange for goods and services are the ones that are better off at the end. We see that right. with symbiotic relationships with animals. We see it in like tribal. We see it in, you know, uh, up to 150 person tribes, which we, the humans spent the majority of our evolution in groups of up to 150 people. And I think that speaks back to uh, the Native American. I, I won't go out on a limb and say they were peaceful. There was, I mean, we, Pocahontas movies and Disney wants you to think that they were all peaceful. And then the big bad white sure Mel Gibson so. comes in and kills everybody. Yeah. Um, but th there was war and conflict between those groups and libertarianism is in a utopia. There will still be conflicts between people yeah. and groups and things um, because we're still dealing with imperfect humans. But it's smaller. Yeah. It's, 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 it's also, it's also decentralized. It's smaller scale and it's costlier. It's just, it's, if the government couldn't print money, they couldn't fund any of these wars. Like there's no, there's this, uh, there's a reason that the 19th or the 20th century was the century of central banking. And it was also the century of the largest grand scale war and massacre and genocide in human history is because when you can print money out of thin air, you can write checks for tanks and soldiers and bombs that you wouldn't otherwise be able to write. If there was a hard money system, if it was only 21 million Bitcoin in the world, the government can't just like make up Bitcoin to buy yeah. tanks and write a giant check to Lockheed Martin. They would have to convince everybody they would have to convince uh, that in the current system, they would have to raise that money through tax revenue. 
Yeah. Which would be harder than just printing the money. And in an ideal world where there isn't taxation, you would have to convince people to voluntarily give their assets, their, their property over to fund a collective defense, which is even harder, which is good. Yeah. If we stop sending money to the Ukraine, they would be forced to the negotiating table. Yeah. The negotiating table prevents nuclear war. Yeah. Large-scale war is only possible through governments and fake money. So stop voting for it. Yeah. And instead, we, we support it. And then there's this propaganda that comes out to tell you that, you know, uh, essentially, if you don't support um, what we're doing over there, that you're a bad person, that, that you're doing something wrong. If you and it's not back, that back, back to our demonization of people that question things. Yeah. Or try to add nuance to something or say, what, what are the NATO expansion? Are we going to look at NATO expansion over the last 30 years since the yeah. Soviet Union fell? Maybe let's put our let's step into the shoes of Vladimir Putin here for a second. Um, who is a piece of shit and a really bad person. And I condemn the invasion, you know, all the obvious uh, disclaimers up front, but it, you think this, uh, the invasion of a small the region of a neighboring country just fell out of the fucking sky. Yeah. Stop trying to convince me that this just fell out of the sky. It, it, it's, it's mind boggling because it, it's like, you can't, can't say that that statement, the, the, that you, Putin obviously feels invaded upon. Like, like if you say that to someone, it's they feel like you're siding with. Right. And, and I think that's another thing that identity, I don't know if you want to call it identity politics, but like that you group everyone together, yep. um, like automatically if they say if they are adverse to any of your beliefs and, and they put your you, they put you in the group with the other side that believes everything that opposes them yep. a, instead of listening and understanding that's why i think empathy is so important listening empathizing understanding both sides of any argument and then making a logical conclusion if that logical conclusion at the end of it is yes this is terribly wrong this this is the steps that we need to take then that's fair but when you don't even question it then you don't even know if you're making the correct decision. And, and that to me is, is really problematic. Um, but I think it's controlled in my mind, it's controlled a little bit because there probably is some proclivity for the the higher powers at B to want to press into NATO, into the borders of Russia. And, and I think that there's proclivity for, for Russia to want to push their borders outward. Um, and, and so I, I do think that it's a little bit of both. And there's there's um, obviously America is not without blame with how they have treated other countries in the past. I, I don't think any anybody would believe that um, anymore. Uh, uh, we've you know, in 2003, we flattened country a country for we flattened the wrong country and never even never questioned it, never said anything about it. Like, and to me, like, you can't have this moral high ground whenever uh, against somebody like Putin, whenever we've done some, America has done something like that to another country, another group of people and, and utilizing uh, uh, something like 9-11. And then you just grouped it all of them together. Like, like that every another, Arab... another aggression that fell out of the fucking sky, apparently. Yeah. Uh, it's... 
literally and figuratively yeah, literally and figuratively like, what, i mean like they, they, they hate they hate us for our freedom thanks george bush yeah that's that's yeah. what happened I, and but everybody believed it and, sure. and i believed it i was a child but yeah same. yeah and same and i i believed it as well and um and i did think it, it brought everybody together but if you're bringing people together it should be for a good cause right. not bringing two people together to do something maniacal and evil yeah. And, and and you can twist it and turn it however you want. But I think that's one thing the Bible actually got right was, you know, turn the other cheek sometimes. Yeah. Uh, like maybe something bad did happen to you. But if you if you go and attack them, all you're going to do is continually string along these bad events that are going to happen back and forth. And that is what chaos is. Yeah. Uh, and, and instead, if you one one person turns the other cheek and doesn't go maniacally back and forth then you have an entirely different outcome and, and yes they and then their outlook on you changes completely but and entirely and then you can negotiate and then you can compromise but when you when you're constantly attacking both sides they're constantly attacking then they're not going to want to compromise they're not going to want to listen to you and why would they you've right. never given them any reason to listen to you or any reason to compromise when you flatten entire countries uh, that didn't have anything to do with it like i yeah. mean that's it's just wild all these, just, all these all these dictators that are refusing to budge and that we're so mad at saw Muammar Gaddafi get sodomized with a bayonet in the streets in libya yeah right after a bunch of us military intervention that was supposed to be for spreading democracy and liberalizing Libya. And now there are open air slave markets and the leader was was beaten to death in the street and sodomized with a bayonet. You think uh, can, you think Kim Jong-un saw that video and he's like, you know what, I should go to the negotiating table. I should. Yeah. And after a history of Muammar Gaddafi, like working with the US foreign policy establishment for the decades preceding yeah. that. No wonder they think that we're are they other countries think that America is is so evil? Uh, I, and I think what we want, it, what America wants, is to do good and, and to create, or at least at the start of it. I'm not sure how they feel now at this point, but at least at the start, I think they really did want to share what we found, which was freedom. And but now it's turned into we forgot that we found freedom. We forgot that we found um, like the the ability to to have our own humanity in a collective group. Um, and we've now turned changed it into democracy instead of liberty. And, and so instead of when you change it from liberty to the democracy, now we're saying our version of controlling people is better than your version of controlling people when that's not what made us successful at all what made us successful was we got out of the control of someone and that's why we need to go back to that that was what created so much success that's what created so much happiness it was because we ran from the control of someone and found a place where everyone could be a human and do their whatever they wanted to do um, and instead, we're now saying, nope, we we know how to control people better than you know how to control people. And, and they say, no, we know how to control people better than you know how to control people. And nobody's really realizing that, hey, maybe the answer is let's stop controlling people. Yeah. It blows my mind. And I just think that that, that in, 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 
entire philosophy is com- completely flawed. Uh, I-, I do worry about certain parts of like, um, like uh, of anarchy or not uh, of just like, you know, uh, disassembling um, the protective services, I think as anybody would, because, you know, we have so much comfort in, in um, the things that um, we have been allowed through the system that we have created or that America has created. Um, and I think that that is what keeps people from even entertaining the idea um, is because they don't want that entire, their entire comfort zone to be um, dissipated. But we don't, we don't have a big red button. You can no. remind the people. Yeah. So let's, so if we have to, let's have the argument at the margin with this very specific policy prescription would uh, removing occupational licensure laws mm. be uh, lead to more human flourishing? Let's argue at the margins, and eventually, we. I, I'm so confident in the logic of mm. uh, liberty-based moves that uh, we'll get there one step at a time if we have to. Yeah. So, uh, and then I'll then I'll get into that. What is it? What What do you think is the if you had to pick three of your most important things that need to happen, like over anything else that need to happen for America to flourish more, um, not necessarily economically, but just uh, holistically. I think the probably the single best thing that people can do, because it just has so many spider webbing or downstream effects, is to learn more about the US dollar and Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. Take the and time what, to educate yourself about, put 50 to 100 hours into learning about how the central bank works and the history of the US dollar and the gold standard. And reflect on what makes a good money and a bad money mm-hmm. or a better money and a worse money and, and learn the basics of how Bitcoin works. You don't have to be an expert. What do you... What, why do you think, so based on saying that, I, I would assume they presume, and so you can tell me if I'm wrong, um, but you believe that utilizing Bitcoin uh, would be better than like having a universal uh, income for, you want it for every country or um, just our country or how, how do you well, that's, envision, envision that's, that? That's what's so cool about Bitcoin is it's not attached to any government. So it will... Yeah. If it succeeds, it's because of its merit, and if it fails, it's because of its merit or lack mm. of merit. Um, do you it's fear so that I want individuals all over the world to make their own decision about what is the what is the best money? And I think yeah. the more you learn about your your government's fiat currency, versus for every you know for all a ton of the reasons that we talked about, um, for more to um, inflation to the, all the incentives it creates for bad legislation. I think that the more people learn about their government's fiat currency versus Bitcoin, um, or it doesn't have to be Bitcoin. Like it, it, it yeah. just has to have, it just has to be, have the properties of Bitcoin or be better than Bitcoin. Bitcoin uh, just seems, cool like, with a good, it's, it's Bitcoin just seems the, like a good thing because one, nobody knows that we can trace back who started it or who, um, and so there's no, there's no person that has control over it. It is it is autonomous, uh, but and it also is, from what I know about it, it is um, constricted, uh, autonomously constricted, 
a system that can not really be manipulated by anyone, but maybe the person, I don't even know if it can be manipulated by the person that started it. I don't think so. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so it, you're, you're forced to live within not forced to live within the confines. That's a bad way to say it, but you, you're allowed to live within the confines of a, of a true value. It's um, fair. Yeah. The same rules apply to everybody and you yeah. can't change the rules. I love that. No matter how much money or power you have. Yeah. I, I absolutely love that because and I, think, the, I think this money, money in Bitcoin might be our a topic for the next one. I was going to do a hard stop at two hours here in a few minutes. Um, yeah, I think that's fascinating. I think that's the single thing that people can do that starts the dominoes towards liberty and ending this peacefully ending this um, chaos of the U.S. empire and, and the U.S. government. Um well, I think that that'll be a, a beautiful topic to get into uh, next time um, for, for sure. Um, but this has been uh, really enjoyable and really insightful. Um, so uh, I think uh, I think we left it off at a, at a good point, got into a, a bunch of different topics. Um, but hopefully, uh, hopefully next next time we'll, we'll dive into Bitcoin, uh, your, your ideas on uh, financial topics um, and, and then. Um, hopefully come up with a couple new uh, ideas to to kind of just, you know, work through mentally, um, because I think that's very important uh, for, for everybody is it is to have the ability to think and question your own ideas. Um, but then when you have a logical reinforcement, allow that to build, be built upon. Um, and then that's when you can really create something good. Um, and so I, I think, having the conversations is the start of that. And, and, and so um, I feel like I learned a lot from just listening to, to your ideas on, on things. And so hopefully the, the, the conversation back and forth continues to, to uh, allow for more information transfer and better ideas and more yeah. clear thinking, better logic. Yeah. I love getting your perspective too. And I think um, it helps me really trying to make a case for something or thinking through, these types of topics um, is super healthy and, and refl- it's self-reflection that people need to do. And uh, eventually this becomes, you know, if I'm, pers- if I'm persuasive, this becomes just us agreeing with each other, which is a, a big objection I have to a lot of different podcasts, which is why I love Lex is like a lot yeah. of podcasts, like maybe do a really good ar- job of arguing their point, but also it's just there uh, it's, it's hosts agreeing with each other to an audience that's already bought in. It's the pastor preaching to the choir. Um, So I think a a super important thing to introduce is um, healthy debate. Uh, And maybe that doesn't need to happen right up front, uh, but eventually this gets stale and uh, we, we start becoming hypocritical. You know, we talked about how valuable it is to question your own beliefs. And if we don't actively challenge ourselves by bringing in somebody, some other goodwilled opposition, yeah uh, we're, we're not living by what we said i think that that i totally agree with that i think we should um and we can stop the recording or whatever um but uh i i think uh i think that that's a really good idea that to eventually um bring in some other people I mean, obviously i think it's important to first present um kind of well figure out because i mean like yes we agree on a lot but we're there's we're still 
working through things mentally um, to try to figure out, you know, what is it that, that we believe and, and think and, um, and build upon that and, and present that. And then as that's presented, then I think uh, it's super healthy, would be super healthy for us to bring in other people that have adversarial beliefs and and try to understand what, what do they think? Why do they think that way? Um, and really get their their topic, and then that'll should allow um, for an audience to to kind of make a decision um, instead of just become followers uh, of of what whatever is said to them. I think it would be much more healthy if instead they could take this point of view and take this point of view, and uh, and then make their own decision about what they want to do and who they want to become um, and how they want to think, because uh, that's the whole point of liberty is being able to make your own choices of how you want to think and, and uh, how you want to live and what community you want to be a part of. Yeah, exactly. If I, if I had to put a, a mission on this, you know, to like spreading the message of Liberty is, um, is up there, but even more abstract or a layer removed from that is normalizing lengthy civil debate. Mm-hmm. I, I think until that happens, we're going to get more of the same bullshit year right. after year. You can't, you shouldn't have to, you shouldn't, they say like, you know, you don't want to, you know, you put yourself around people that are like you. That's, you're just going to get constant conformity of what you already believe um, and never question what you don't believe. That's why I really enjoyed that podcast that we watched um, is it, it presented so many ideas that I don't, at all agree with but it made me understand why people think that way um and and it didn't necessarily change my mind um on you walk away feeling less crazy right like i I hate uh feeling strongly about an idea and having no clue why people think the opposite of me or disagree with me and how and if i feel like it makes no sense then i internally i just i I short circuit here is it then like (laughs) Yeah. I'm like, am I living in a simulation? Do I have all these blind spots? Um, yeah. Why do they believe what they believe? And even if I end up disagreeing with them at the end of the day, like at least I gain some perspective. And I think that would, that's a super healthy thing for the right and the left to come together is uh, just listen to them a little more. Cause it's crazy how many topics they can look at. And I think that they would agree on and then in the same sense, it's crazy how many topics that they can view the exact same thing happen and have a completely opposite viewpoint uh, of what happened. And then if you try to bring up the other side's um, concept of how they viewed that certain um, topic, they they get angry and upset and dismissive. And, and that doesn't do anything anybody any good, including the person that's doing that. It it, it literally keeps you from getting intelligent. It, it keeps you from from learning. It keeps you from even understanding your own values and your own beliefs. Because how can you how can you truly believe in something if you're not willing to risk it being untrue? Yep. Uh, you you have to be willing to to take that approach, um, and and, and allow adversary. Uh, commentary um, that's that's based out of somebody. I think it is important. You don't want somebody coming in here um, being rude or hateful. Um, but but like you said, a, a debate that is um, rooted in at least a, a conversation that is 
um, can be adversary, but is not hateful, not rude, not mean. Um, but we can logically work things out together. Um, and then you can leave with a different opinion than I leave with. Um, but I want you to understand how I feel and I want to understand how you feel. And I think at the end of the day, that it will, that in itself will bring a lot of people together it, yeah. is if they can understand the other side just a little bit more. Yep. And hopefully agreeing at the end of the day, the, uh, most people have the goal of uh, maximizing human flourishing. Like we, we've got to acknowledge that at the end of the day, even if we're political enemies or whatever, that uh, your, your heart's in the right place, your strategy just sucks. Um, I think mm -hmm. that about the majority of people in this country, and they probably think the same about me, um, but it, yeah. we've got to start and end with the acknowledgement that we both want to improve human lives because um, mm. your real enemies are the ones that uh, don't. Don't you don't even but, share that, but uh, yeah, psychopaths and nihilistic sure, sure. psychopaths. But that, uh, but acknowledging those common goals will keep us from killing each other, and will give us hope, and like we'll we'll be motivated to continue working on like finding solutions or agreeing on the best strategy, if we can start from acknowledging that uh our heart hearts in the right place, you know. So yeah. that's that's why I don't want to murder the uh the Jacobin guy from Lex's podcast, the socialist. Yeah. Um, because he did. He did a, a wonderful job of uh, presenting his side of the story in a way that was non-combative. And um, even though I, like I said, I didn't logically agree with, I thought there were holes in his argument. Um, I, I, I do think he wanted good for the world. I think that yeah. was very obvious. Um, and, and that in itself is a trait that uh, I believe is beautiful and amazing. Um, and that more people should share. So um, I, I, I think um, that Lex is just, he's a crazy, intelligent and wonderful person for being able to truly listen to somebody and not constantly be trying to personify his own beliefs into them, um, but still present his beliefs to them. Um, and he does it through question, asking questions, which yeah. is even more beautiful. Yep. Uh, we have a lot to learn from him and so let's honor the good example that he's setting by like trying to to do that ourselves and i don't know if i'll ever go so far as to not def defend any position he's in a you know i have a different mission than he does or whatever and yeah. so i i could challenge myself for short periods of time to like you're not allowed to say what you believe or, or go off on a rant all you're allowed to do is ask questions i think that's a really good box to put yourself in um to challenge yeah. yourself but um but the the sentiment the civility and um love first or or whatever you know the vibes that lex is putting out there um i think is really good to practice and follow so i think that's a good it's a good place to end one thousand percent it's it's been a it's been a hell of a conversation uh and into into version one podcast number sure one we'll, we'll see if anybody ever listens to this ever again um <laughs> it wasn't a bad